Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for the privilege of coming into your homes through your devices. Maybe you joined us last Sunday, Easter Sunday for the first time. Welcome back. Great to have you back with us. Well, today we begin a brand new series called Anxious for Nothing. And I'm really pumped up. I'm really excited about this series. But you know what, to be honest, I'm also kind of anxious about this series on anxiety because I know the stakes are really high in your life and in the lives of the people that you love. So I've done some reading for this series and I'm indebted to a pastor named Max Lucado who wrote an excellent book called Anxious for Nothing, which I highly recommend. I'll be referencing that book throughout this series. This is kind of an anxious season of life, isn't it? Just a unique, crazy season of life, staying at home and living in quarantine. I heard somebody say, I thought this was humorous, they said that, uh, it, that we've uh, pretty much turned into dogs. We roam around the house all day looking for food. We're told no when we get close to strangers. And we're really excited about taking car rides, right? It's all a dog's life. But I believe anxiety is one of the most timely and important topics we could deal with right now. And I also believe God's gonna help many of you through this series to write a new chapter in your life when it comes to anxiety. And many of us know that a, that a new chapter is really needed. I'm gonna share a few statistics with you about anxiety. And keep in mind, these are, for, these are from before the coronavirus. And so unfortunately, the numbers are probably even higher today. Anxiety, statistically, is the number one health issue among females in America today. And it's the number two issue for men, health issue, just behind drugs and alcohol. Now, personally, I think it could be number one for men as well, but men have a, sometimes have a hard time admitting it. Men act like, you know, I don't worry about anything, but we all do, we all get anxious. The latest statistics say 40 million adults admit to struggling with anxiety, and the number is just growing exponentially. Today in America, we spend more than $48 billion a year treating anxiety. And if you're a parent of a child or a teenager, you probably know that we're seeing the sharpest rise in anxiety among our kids and teens. Take a look at some of the latest research. In a recent study of the top problems teens see among their peers, bullying, drug addiction, gangs, alcohol, and poverty were not at the top of the list but 70% identified anxiety and depression as the number one problem they see among teenagers. This issue tops every other issue for teens. But it's not just a teen issue, it affects every single age group. In fact, according to surveys, guess what country is the most anxious nation in the world? Guess, Switzerland. No, I'm kidding, it's us, United States. We get the gold medal for anxiety. Did you know that when people move here from developing countries, studies show their anxiety actually increases? How can that be? What do we have to be so anxious about? When you think about it, our nation is arguably the most prosperous and safest country in the world. We rank near the top in terms of safety. We have better medical care than ever before. People live longer than ever before. We have safer cars than ever before. The roads are safer. I can remember as a little kid, going for a car ride with my parents and they would take me, they'd flip down the armrest in between the two front seats. And my parents, I was just a little kid, they would put me on the armrest, you know, so that I could see out the windshield, no seatbelt or uh, airbag, of course. And if we made a hard stop, hopefully my dad would have time to get his arm in front of me to keep me from flying into the windshield or the dashboard. But nobody would do that today. I mean, you would get in trouble. We live much safer lives today 
But anxiety is just much higher than ever before. We live in a world where we should be less anxious, but somehow we're more anxious than ever. Why is that? Well, I'm not sure, but I do have a few theories. For example, I wanna ask you just a general question. In the last 25 years, do you think our culture in America has moved closer to God or moved further from God? I would bet many of you would say we've moved further from God and maybe there's a correlation between distancing ourselves from God and the undeniable spike in anxiety. Additionally, I think there's a couple other big factors. For one, we're less socially connected than ever before. In many ways, we've replaced relationships with technology. In the 50s, 60s and 70s, people did life together much more. Today, we're just glued to our phones, binge watching Netflix. And that increase in, or that decrease in real relationships drives an increase in anxiety because God designed us to live life with others in community. And that's why we continue to challenge you to join one of our groups. Outside of salvation and baptism, this is one of the most important steps you can take, not just for your spiritual life, but for your mental and emotional health. A second factor in the rise of anxiety is that we are more aware of what others have and tragedy than ever before. Many studies show the more you engage in social media, the higher your levels of anxiety because comparison drives anxiety and it just escalates through social media. But it's not just comparison. The speed at which we receive bad news today often outpaces our ability to process it. We're getting more inundated with tragic information quicker. For example, you can watch news coverage if you want about the coronavirus 24 hours a day. You can get updated statistics every 15 minutes. Years ago, people would wait days or weeks for that kind of information. Now, some information's good and important, but the speed at which we receive information sometimes exceeds our ability to really process some of it. So these are just a couple of reasons. There are other reasons, but this is why this series, I think, is so critically important. Now, what is anxiety? Fear and anxiety are related, but they're also very different. What does fear do? Fear sees a threat and reacts. You know, there's a snake, run. There's a bear, run. If you think about it, fear is actually a gift. Fear keeps our kids from running into the streets and getting hit by cars. We're thankful for fear. But anxiety is very different. Anxiety imagines a threat and can't move on. Anxiety has been described as just a tidal wave of what ifs that rush over us. What if there's a rattlesnake? You should never go in the grass. What if there's a bear? You should never go into the woods. What if a plane crashes? Don't fly. Anxiety is, const is a constant state of what ifs. It puts our minds and bodies in a constant state of fight or flight. But our bodies were not designed by God to live that way. So fear is temporary and good, but anxiety lingers. And you find yourself at a place where, you know, your body feels tight all the time. Your, your, your chest tightens. People say things, they describe it as, I have a hard time breathing. I'm having a hard time sleeping. You ever had a period of uh, time in your life when you had difficulty sleeping. I don't know, maybe you wake up between two and four in the morning, you know, over and over again. I have. And you wake up with a series of what ifs. That's anxiety. And some of you probably, you know, you've had your anxiety go up because we're talking about this subject in church. Many of us who are Christians have been told that if you have anxiety, yeah, there's something wrong with your faith. 
Something's wrong with your love for Jesus. Jesus gives you peace. If you have anxiety, something's wrong with you. But listen, if you have anxiety, you're normal. If you have anxiety, you're human. I want you to look at what has been called the most highlighted verse in the entire Bible. It's not John 3.16. It's Philippians 4.6. From a prison cell awaiting execution, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. Some translations say be anxious for nothing. And right away we go, hey, Paul, you know, if you had just said be less anxious, that would be a challenge enough. But don't be anxious about anything. Is that what you really mean? Never be anxious about anything in your entire life? No, that's not what Paul means in that verse. In the original language, he wrote this verse in the present active tense, meaning to find yourself in a present active day-to-day -day state of anxiousness. So the command here in this verse is not don't ever feel anxious. The command is don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety day after day, week after week, month after month. You don't have to carry it forever. I mean, anxiety itself is not a sin. It's an emotion. Even Jesus experienced temporary anxiety. A few days before Easter Sunday, Jesus went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed and sweat drops of blood because of the enormous anxiety he felt over what he would experience in the coming hours when he would die on a cross for the sins of the world. All of us are going to experience moments of anxiety, but what we're going to learn in this series is you don't have to carry that anxiety day after day. You don't have to stay anxious. I like the way Max Lucado puts it in his book. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And that's our goal for this series, to help us stay out of that prison. But let me add, this is important. Some anxiety is so severe that you may need professional help, maybe counseling or therapy. And there's no embarrassment or shame in that. God gave us doctors and medication for certain scenarios. Sometimes our brain gets ill, just like other rest of our body can get ill. And so if you need help, I would encourage you to get it. But can we also admit that anxiety it's not just a, a physical or chemical issue. Oftentimes it's a deeply spiritual issue. And so we need to look at what God says about it. For the next four weeks, we're gonna look at five verses that Paul wrote from this prison in Rome that give us a blueprint from God on how to move from anxiety to peace, from anxiety to calm. Today, I wanna to unpack how God tells us to deal with anxiety in the first two verses. And so if we get to the end today and you're like, well, that's not everything I need to cure my anxiety, you're right, today's just introductory. You've got to join us for the whole series. And so you should be anxious about missing any week of this series on anxiety. I want to read all five verses of this famous scripture that we'll unpack over the next four weeks. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter four, verses four through eight. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Today, I wanna to just focus on those first two verses where Paul begins by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll, I'll say it again. 
rejoice. And you're like, are you kidding, Paul? Just rejoice in all the things that make me anxious. I might lose my job, you know, celebrate that. My marriage is crumbling, Woohoo! I might get sick, awesome. Wake up, Paul. That makes no sense. Rejoice in the Lord always. But Paul's not telling us to rejoice in our worries. He tells us to rejoice in what? The Lord. That's very different. And then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul reminds us that belief precedes behavior. Belief precedes behavior. In other words, if anxiety is out of control in your life, go back to what you believe about God. What you believe and celebrate about God determines how you behave and deal with anxiety. Maybe some of us parents can remember standing on the edge of a swimming pool or at the end of a dock trying to get our kid to jump into the water for the first time. But they got to the edge and, you know, they couldn't do it. They got scared. And so what did we do? Some of you cold-hearted parents just shoved your kid into the water. And that's why they struggle with anxiety today. I'm, I'm kidding. But what did we do? Well, we probably jumped in the water. You know, we put our hands out and we said, jump, you can jump, I'll catch you. But most kids hesitate, right? If you're like me, I started out really nice. Come on, honey, jump and I'll catch you. I promise. But they hesitate. After a while, we get fr frustrated, right? Jump, jump right now. If you want to live to see your next birthday, you will jump right now. You ever thought about why we get so frustrated in moments like that? It's because you knew how much you loved your child and how trustworthy you were. And what happened was their behavior said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Belief precedes behavior. And in a similar way, our behavior, our anxiety can reveal to us something may be off in our belief about God. And so here's what Paul tells us. The very first thing that you've got to do to change your response to anxiety is to celebrate what is true about God. Paul says, if you celebrate and believe and trust in two characteristics about God, this will help you move beyond your anxiety. I'm gonna show you both of these characteristics visually. Here's the big idea of the whole message today. Peace is found between the pillars of trusting in God's goodness and trusting in God's control. If you wanna move beyond anxiety in your life, you've gotta to learn to position yourself in between the pillars of believing and trusting that God is in control and God is good. You still have anxious moments, but this is the safe zone. If you position yourself here, you'll be able to move forward and not carry anxiety with you day after a day. But when we step outside of these pillars and we no longer trust that God is good or in control or both, anxiety begins to take over in our lives. Now, the struggle looks different for each of us. Some of, some of you have gone through enough you know, heartbreak, illnesses, losses in your life, and you wrestle with the question, is God good? You believe God's in control, but you're not sure that he cares. You're not sure that he's good. My struggle and probably the struggle for many of us, we wrestle with the question, is God in control? We know that God's good, but does he have any idea what's going on in my life? And can he even do anything about it? But if we position ourselves right here between the two rock solid pillars about God, this is where peace is found. So let's talk about control first. Remember what Paul says, to, what he tells us to do first? He tells us to rejoice. Rejoice in who? Rejoice in the Lord. Now, Paul could have picked any name for God. There are a lot of other names and descriptions for God, but he specifically chose the word 
Lord. Here, here's what this name Lord actually means that Paul chose for us to rejoice in. Lord means owner, master, the one who is in charge and in control, which gets right at the root of anxiety. Studies show a link between anxiety and control. The times in your life when you have felt most anxious are likely the times when you felt most out of control. Anxiety increases as perceived control decreases. So what do we do? Should we just try to control everything? Don't ever get on a plane, it might crash. Don't ever take a risk at work, it might not, it might not work. Uh, mount cameras on your kids so you can monitor every moment, control what they do. Never love someone, they might hurt you. No, some of the most anxious people in the world are people who over control. The more you try to control your life, the more anxiety rises because you realize you've never been in control. So what do we do? The Bible has offers a much better way. Here's what scripture says in, in Isaiah chapter 26. You will keep in perfect peace. That's what we want. Perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, fixed on who God is and how God is in control. Perfect peace comes from trusting that God is good and God is in control. But this is so hard for us to do. That's why Paul tells us twice, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. So to move beyond anxiety, rather than seek control, here's what you do. You relinquish control to God. I wanna do just a, a fun little exercise with you. Just, just, just raise your right hand, would, would you? Uh, the camera crew here, you guys, you guys got your hand raised. Everybody at home, raise your hand and repeat after me. I hereby relinquish control of the universe to God. Doesn't that feel good? Some of you want me to do that again so you can record the person next to you saying that. Some of us struggle with relinquishing control to God. But we don't just recognize God's control. We also celebrate God's goodness. Look again at verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That verse almost seems out of place until you understand what Paul says. Do you know what the word gentleness means? It means tolerance to deviations in life. In other words, life doesn't always go your way. And it means you stay level-headed. You don't freak out. And the reason you can tolerate changes and stay level-headed is because the Lord is near you. The Lord cares for you. There's never been a moment in your life, not a moment in your life when God's not been on his throne next to you and good. But some of us have such a hard time trusting in the goodness of God, especially when we go through seasons of darkness and what ifs. But can I ask you, when you look back on your life and some of the darkest seasons that you've been through, what is God's track record of still being good to you through it? I don't know about you, but God is like batting a thousand in my life. God is good. That's why Romans 8.28 promises us that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him in every single situation in your life. I've had seasons in my life when I wake up, you know, two, three in the morning and my mind starts flooding with what if, what if, what if. And I'm like, no, I need to go back and position myself and anchor myself between the pillars of God's goodness and God's control. That's the only place where, that's the only way I can move beyond anxiety. I have to remember what Paul told us, rejoice in the Lord, the Lord who is in perfect control and let your gentleness be evident to all. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have situations where you have to be tolerant and stay level-headed, knowing that God is near, God is good. He's always with you. I have to remind myself about these two pillars and I invite other people in my life to remind me as well.
So can I ask you, are you anxious today? And if the answer is yes, are you willing to position yourself right here? Let me ask you a few questions. Can you control never losing your job? No. You can work hard, but you can't control the economy. You can't control whether your business stays in business. So what do we do? We, you, you work hard. We work hard as if we work for Jesus and turn over control to a God who is good. Can you control if you ever have a financial hiccup in your life? No. But what do we do? We live below our means. We honor God with our finances. We position ourselves right here. And we trust that God is in control and good. How about this one? Can you control your spouse? No. In fact, the more you try to control your spouse, you know what? The further you push him or her away. So what do we do? You say, I can only change me. God changed me. And then I turn over control of my spouse to you, God. And, and God, you work on them, please. Can you control your kids? Never have anything bad happen to them in this world. No. But you remember that you have a God in heaven who loves your kids 10 times more than you do. And so you position yourself right here. God, I'm going to do everything I can to pour into my kids, but I relinquish control because you are the one who is good. You're the one who's in control. It's the best way to live your life. Paul says, posture yourself in between the pillars of God's control and God's goodness. Are you there? Some of us maybe have some movement to do. Here's something that you can do that, that'll help. I wanna encourage you to memorize this first set of verses, verses four and, and, and five, two verses that tell us to celebrate who God truly is. He's in control and he is good. And it moves us to a place where we don't have to carry anxiety with us every single day. I would also encourage you to put these verses in place that you'll see them regularly, maybe on your bathroom mirror, maybe, maybe in your car to help them really sink deep into your heart. Way back in the 1870s, a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford went through a devastating season in his life. In 1871, the Chicago fire ruined him financially. He began rebuilding, but then in 1873, he put his, his wife and his four kids on an ocean liner from New York City to France. But another vessel hit the luxury ocean liner and it sank in the ocean. Horatio received a telegram from his wife that said, saved alone. He took the trip overseas to meet and comfort his wife. When he reached the part of the ocean where the accident occurred, he looked at the murky water below, which represented the grave for his four children. And then he went back to his room and he penned the words to one of the most famous, most popular hymns ever written called, It Is Well. He wrote the beautiful words to this hymn, it is well with my soul, because he trusted that God is in control and God is good and he found peace. I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're actually gonna sing part of the hymn that he wrote as a way to respond and, and rejoice in the Lord today. I hope it brings you peace. Let me pray for us. Lord, I wanna lift up this series to you and ask you to use it in our, in our lives and in the lives of the people that we, that we love. God, I pray for every person listening right now who struggles with anxiety. I pray that we will do the first thing you tell us to do to celebrate who you are and to live between these rock solid pillars that you are in control and you are good. And God, as we sing this next song, would you really sink this truth into our hearts and give us peace?
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.